Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Healing Journeys Today. My name is Teresa Hotelling. So we have covered um, a, a myriad of things, just generalized topics in the, uh, the first four weeks. We've talked about your body. We've talked about receiving revelation. Last week, we talked about that you have enough faith that you need right now in order to receive all of the promises of God. And doesn't that kind of take some of the pressure off? Like you don't have to conjure up faith. You don't have to, um, you don't have to ask for more faith. You don't have to believe, you don't have to spend your time believing for more faith, but just the fact that you already have faith allows you to focus on the thing that hinders people the most that have faith, don't see what they're believing for come to pass. So we're going to talk about unbelief today. We're going to, I'm going to show you what the word says about it. And we're going to talk about some practical ways to start overcoming unbelief so that your faith that you do have can become effective and can become active. So first of all, unbelief is anything that is contrary to the promises of God that causes your faith to be ineffective. So it's a, it's a source of opposition to your faith. Um, now we're going to talk in terms of healing today because this is after all healing journeys today, but you can apply what we're going to talk about today to every area of your life that you're believing for something for. If it is, um, in your finances, if it's uh, in your emotions, if it's in your relationships, if it's in your job, if it's whatever it is, you can take these principles we're going to talk about today and you can ap apply it across the board. But we're specifically going to focus uh, on healing today because isn't that all why y'all tuned in to healing journeys today? So by now, um, I'm sure most of you know that my healing journey started back in 2001. Um, I was diagnosed with lupus, Sjogren's syndrome, hypothyroidism, degenerative disc disease, bulge discs on my back, carpal tunnel. And on March 13th, 2014, I received my complete healing from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. This is where all of these teachings are coming from. These are the things that I learned in my journey that helped me to finally be able to receive. And unbelief was a big part of my journey because I was so uh, saturated with uh, what, the, what, the word, uh, what the world said about the diseases that were in my body, that they were incurable or they could only be fixed by surgery. I was saturated with the results on the lab reports. I was saturated by the fact that I had, um, you know, there was a history of autoimmune disorders in my family. So I'm dealing with genetics here. I'm dealing with, that creates a lot of unbelief. And unbelief can come from uh, a few different sources. It can come from a lack of knowledge or ignorance just in general about what the word says. If you don't know that God's promise to you is that you are healed by the stripes of his son, 
that he sacrificed, if you just don't know that, then you have unbelief in the area of healing. Uh, unbelief can come from uh, wrong teaching, which there's a lot of in today's age. Pastors behind the pulpit are telling you that God's putting sickness on you to teach you something. They're telling you that this sickness is a blessing because blah, 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 blah. They're lying to you from the pulpit. They're misguiding you. They're, they're taking scriptures out of context to convince you that healing isn't for everybody of everything every time. That causes some unbelief. Even some of you now that have just started uh, he hearing about God and his willingness to heal and that he has already healed you through his son, there's still some nagging thing back here in the back of your mind that's causing a little bit of unbelief. And a lot of that is because you're not experiencing what the word is saying. And that unbelief is caused by physical, the physical body uh, or or the physical senses you know so what you're seeing what you're hearing what you're uh, what you're feeling what those types of things unbelief can be caused by what you're experiencing and that was for me was the biggest thing because I knew what God's word said I knew the truth of God's word. I had been taught the truth of God's word, but because I wasn't experiencing it in my body, I had unbelief. I had unbelief after 13 years of being sick. I had unbelief in the power of God's word to heal me. I had unbelief in his willingness to heal me, even though I knew what the truth was. Even though I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus healed everybody every time of everything with no waiting immediately. So I knew these things, but I had faith and unbelief present simultaneously at the same time. And I talked about uh, last week, the, the analogy of the scale that you have unbelief on one side and you have faith on the other side. It's a balanced scale. And the more unbelief you have caused by those physical senses, by that lack of knowledge, by that wrong teaching, that unbelief begins to take over and it makes your faith ineffective. Unbelief and belief existing simultaneously. Let me show you in the word where this is possible. So let's go to Mark 9. If you have your Bibles, turn there, okay? I want you, and if you don't have them now, go back and look at it later. I want you to put your eyeballs on the written word of God so that you know where to go. You know where it is. You have something to stand on. When you have questions, you, the Holy Spirit can bring to your remembrance. Oh, Mark 9, go look there. There's, there's places in my Bible where I, I don't know the address yet, but I know exactly where it is on the page. Because you, get, you should get that familiar with your weapon. This is your weapon. You need to be familiar with your weapon. It's what combats unbelief in your life. So, Mark 9, we're going to see the, uh, that the word tells you that you can have faith and unbelief at the same time. So, Mark 9... And we're going to start in verse 14. 
Mark 9, 14. And when he came to his disciples, when Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you asking? What are you asking them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought my uh, brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit or a mute spirit. And wherever he takes him, he tears him and he foams. The boy foams. He gnashes with his teeth and he pines away. He jerks around. He, he uh, uh, flops around. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out and they couldn't. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring the boy to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore at him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked the father, How long is it since this came upon? How long has your kid been like this? That's what he's asking him. And he said, as a child, so from the time he was a child, and oftentimes it cast him into the fire and, it, and the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straight away, the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. And now notice that Jesus didn't say that's not possible. You're you're in complete unbelief. You have no you're, you have no faith at all. He didn't rebuke him for that. He just said, if you can believe all things that are possible, if you can believe all things are possible. One thing I want to, so we see the, the presence here. You see it of, of faith and unbelief. They can exist simultaneously. I want to go, go back here and just point something out to you. So G, the, the father brought this boy to Jesus. And what happens? This demon throws this boy on the ground and he is thrashing around. And he is, and he is uh, you know, foaming at the mouth and grinding his teeth. Have you ever heard somebody grind their teeth? Oh, and have you ever seen anybody have a seizure, right? We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I want you to notice here, when this happens, when the boy throws himself on the ground, I'm sure everybody, everybody eye, everybody's eyes are on the boy on the ground, right? Thrashing around, slashing around, foaming at the mouth. And what does Jesus say in response to this? He pays no attention to that natural at all. And he just says to the father, hey, dad. Dad, Dad, look at me. How long has this been going on? What's he doing? He's diverting the father's eyes from the boy, from the physical, from the natural, from the obvious of what's going on in this boy's body. And he says, hey, Dad, look at me. Stop looking at the unbelief. Stop looking over there. Look at me. Look at me. He's redirecting 
this father's focus so that he can just believe. Because the unbelief is there. When you're sick, when you're diagnosed with something, when you have something on your body physically that you can see, it's very easy to keep your eyes fixed on that. But Jesus is saying, look at me. Look at me. Look at the life giver. Look at the miracle maker. Look at, look at me within whom everything is possible. That nothing is too big. That my name is greater than every other name. Look at me. I just love that part of the story. And if you just read through things real quick because you're familiar with the story, you know this story, you're going to miss little things like that. Jesus didn't need to know how long this was going on, but he was simply redirecting the father's eyes to where he could believe. And Jesus knew that if he would look into his eyes and he would focus on him and he would get his eyes off of what he could see, feel, and hear, then he could just believe. Amen? Let's look at one more example of, this is fear and unbelief. And I'm going to explain the difference between or this is this example is going to be fear and belief, okay? And I'm going to explain the difference to you between fear and unbel and unbelief, okay? So go to Mark six. Excuse me, Mark five. Mark five, verse. Okay, let me give you a little backstory here first. We're just going to read verse 36, but let me give you a little backstory. This is the story of, this is the account. When you say story, it makes it sound like it's just, it's not real. It's like a fairy tale, but it's not. It's an account. This is the historical account of the man named Jairus who came to Jesus because his daughter was sick. Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house and heal her. So they're on their way. Somebody comes to Jesus and, or somebody comes to Jairus and says, hey, don't bother him. Your daughter is dead. This is the news that Jairus got. So let's start in verse, um, let's look in verse 35. While Jesus yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue, synagogue's house certain which said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? Imagine where this man is right now. Somebody just told him that his daughter died. Can you, can you, can you imagine his thoughts? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... The word that was spoken that was contrary to Jesus' word that says, I'm going to come to your house and heal her, right? As soon as it was spoken, he said to the father, the ruler of the synagogue, do not, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Do, be not afraid only believe. Now, faith and unbelief are two different things, okay? Unbelief simply means you choose not to believe something, 
Okay, so if you, um, somebody tells you, uh, I'm going to turn into a pumpkin later today. You will just choose not to believe that. You, you have no belief in that whatsoever. You choose not to believe. This is unbelief. You're choosing not to put your faith in something. There's, a, there's no, no faith, okay? No faith in unbelief. That's why faith and unbelief can exist. That was a little confusing. Sorry about that. Unbelief is just a lack of belief in something. Fear is completely different. Fear is having faith in something that can harm you. Fear is having faith in something that is completely opposite to the word of God. You can't fear death you can't fear that the cancer is going to kill you and believe God's word at the same time. They, they cannot coexist. Whereas uh, faith and unbelief can exist together, like we saw in Mark 9. They fear and faith cannot exist because fear is a form of faith in something that opposes God's word. Fear is having faith in the opposite of what God's word says. You can't fear and be in faith of God's word at the same time. If you, you can in certain areas, you can fear death by cancer, which means you don't have faith in God's word, or you can, uh, but you can still have faith in prosperity and prosper because fear there's no fear there because you know God, you know what his word says, you have faith in his word. But when there is no faith in God's word, there is fear. So let's see what unbelief, let's see what the word says unbelief does to your faith. Okay, let's go to James 1. James 1, verses 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. When you waver, when you doubt, when you have unbelief, it goes right back to that scale again. When you are wavering, it makes your faith ineffective. That's exactly what the word says here. It counterbalances the faith that you do have. And you do have faith. And if you don't believe that, it's not an issue of faith. And I want to show you that in the word. Let's go back to Mark 6. Okay, Mark 6. We're just going to start in verse 1. And he and Jesus went out from there and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are, are wrought by his hands? 
Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters <clears throat> here with us? And they were offended at him. Here Jesus is. He comes into his hometown, right? And they've heard that he's done all of these miracles. And they hear about all the mighty things he's done. And they've heard about his teachings and the things he's doing. And yet they say, but who, who is he to do these things? He's just the carpenter. Who does he think he is? And they're offended at him. And they have unbelief at him because they are offended at him. And isn't this so true? I know there's a lot of you out there right now that um, you're believing, you're standing on God's word, you're, you're saying you are, you are accepting the call that God has placed on your life and people around you are going, I know who you are. I know who you used to be. I know what you've done. Who do you think you are to go do all these things? Yeah, like God's really talking to you, right? This is exactly what the people did. You are not alone. This is exactly what the people did to Jesus. Who are you? You're just a carpenter, right? So verse four, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Verse five, and he could do there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Why? Why could he not do any mighty works there? Verse six, and he marveled because of their un belief. Their unbelief prevented them from receiving the miracles that could have been could have been wrought by his hands. And what was his solution to that? He went around the villages teaching. Because only teaching, only hearing the word of God will bring bring faith. So he taught and he taught and he taught. But these people did not receive because of their unbelief. Turn over to Mark 9. We were just there. And we read this story. Sorry, let's go over to Matthew. Not sorry. So Mark 9, we just read the story about the boy that was brought to the disciples, brought to Jesus, and the disciples couldn't heal him. So now... In Matthew chapter uh, 17, afterwards, the disciples come to Jesus and they want to know why they weren't able to heal this kid. Because they'd healed before and now why isn't this working? Ministers, this is a, a great example for you that if you're praying for people and you're not seeing um, results, then ask, ask the Lord, God, why, why isn't this, why isn't this working through me? What's keeping your power from flowing through me to impact your people? So let's see what Jesus answer is. We're going to start in verse 19. So we're Matthew 17, verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus uh, apart and said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? 
And Jesus said unto them, it doesn't get more clear than this, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible for you. How be it, this kind goes not out, but by prayer and by fasting. So why couldn't they cast him out? Because of unbelief. Unbelief from what? Unbelief from watching this kid thrashing around on the ground, uh, foaming at the mouth. Guys, if you've never seen somebody have a seizure, it is a very violent, a very violent act if it's a, a grand mal seizure, okay? Uh, it's not pretty to look at, and it can create some unbelief in people. And that's exactly what was happening in, happening in the disciples. I'm sure just like, it, uh, just like the demon did when the boy walked up to Jesus and it threw him on the ground, as soon as this demon walked up to the disciples, it's throwing itself, throwing this kid on the ground, a grand display of itself, right? And it created unbelief in the disciples. And that's why they couldn't cast it out. So it was physical it was unbelief caused by their physical senses. And down in verse 21, this is one way that you get rid of unbelief. First, Jesus demonstrated that he went around teaching. So get some good teaching. Uh, follow the healing journeys today. Follow Andrew, Andrew Womack Ministries. Take some Karis Bible College online courses. I mean, do what you can to hear some good, solid teaching that's teaching the Word. And make sure you're in the Word confirming what you're hearing. So that's one way. And the other way, verse 21, this kind... Now, I'm sure many of you have been taught that this is this kind was referring to the demon and this was some, you know, big demon. And there were things that you had to do in order to be qualified and, and be uh, spiritual enough to cast this demon out. But we're talking about unbelief here. Jesus is talking about unbelief. Verse 20 isn't talking anything about the demon. He is talking about the unbelief that prevented the disciples from doing what they have been called to do. This kind of unbelief, physical unbelief caused by the physical senses goes not out but by prayer and fasting. So we've got teaching and now we've got prayer. Prayer, intimacy with God, spending time with Father, Letting the Holy, Spe Holy Spirit speak to your mind. Letting the, the Holy Spirit lead and guide you down the right path. Getting, beginning to walk more in the Spirit, meaning your mind is on the things of the Word as opposed to the things of the world. That your words are beginning to reflect the things of the Word and not the things of the world. That your thoughts reflect what is in the Word and not what you're hearing from the world. Prayer does this. Prayer draws you closer. God can't 
God cannot be any closer to you than he is right now. He is in you. He is through you. He is a part of you. You and he are one spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. You are one with him. But the more you focus your mind on him, right, the more you begin to walk in this spirit, the more you begin to experience the things that are, uh, the more you begin to experience his word become active in your life, right? So it's prayer. This is what prayer does for you. And fasting, man, fasting, your, your flesh does not like fasting. Your flesh likes to be satisfied with food and drink. I'm not talking alcohol, but it likes to be satisfied, right? And it pitches, if, if, if you don't think so, then try not having a meal for like eight hours and see what your stomach is, is telling you, right? What fasting does is it, it helps you focus on the word. You rely on the word to be your daily bread. And start out easy. Uh, you know, start out easy with a fast. Do a one day liquid fast, you know, and, and do a liquid fast with like the bolt house, bolt house farms things if you've, if you've never fasted before, you know, because that still gives you some calories. It's still, and, and, and it'll help ease you into it. You can do uh, you can do a water fast. You can do you know. There's many many. You don't even have to fast food if you're on a, a strict diet thing right now, um, because of medical reasons or, or whatever. Then then fast something else. Fast Facebook. Ouch. Fast you know. Fast social media. Fast Netflix. Fast whatever. It's something. Just something that you are, you are saying, God, I am laying this down and I am choosing to use this time to focus on you. What it does is it pull, it, it makes you pull your focus off of your body, off of your uh, physical uh, needs or your wants and places it on God's word. But you have to replace it with God's word. That's the whole point of a fast. You can't just do a fast. And if, if you just do a fast and there's no change of your focus, there's no change of your focus to the word, then all it is is really a diet for a couple of days. And that's, that's all it is. Get something out of it. This is the type of fasting that it's talking about. So overcoming unbelief is teaching, is prayer, it's fasting occasionally and let the Holy Spirit lead you. If you feel like you need to do a fast, then ask him, what do you want me to do? If you don't hear what he wants you to do, then just choose, then just do something. I think too many people wait for, wait for God. They wait for uh, a word and, you know, they know they're supposed to do, we'll just stay with the fast. They know they're supposed to do a fast, but God's just not telling them exactly what to do. So they just never do it. That's not what's intended. If you know that you're supposed to do a fast, then just do it. Regardless if you hear him tell you specifics or not. The word says to fast. That's all the word that you need. You just decide what kind of fast you're going to do. Stick to it and do it with the right intent of the heart. I also have Matthew 14 down here. Let's look at what Matthew 14 says. 
Ah, okay, awesome. Another another example, uh, another example here of it not being an issue of faith. Okay. This is this this is the account of Peter and Jesus. Um, let's go back to verse twenty-three. So, chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three. And when Jesus had sent the multitudes away. He went up into a mountain apart to pray. Even Jesus is demonstrating the, important, the importance of prayer to us. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now tossed in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. It just means the wind was blowing against them. And in the fourth watch, which was between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, I like to think here that in verse 23, when it said he went up into a mountain to pray, that he's thinking about the scrolls, that he's thinking about where it talks about commanding the seas, commanding the, you know, having control over the, the seas and the wind and the waves. And I like to think that maybe he had been meditating on that. Maybe he was meditating on walking on the water and he got up and he thought, I'm going to go walk on the water. And that's exactly what he did. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear. But straight away, Jesus spoke unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid in the midst of the storm. Jesus is saying, be of good cheer. It is a choice to be in, to be cheerful, to tap into that well of joy that you have in your born again spirit when you're in the middle of a storm, but you can, and it is a choice. It is I, be not afraid. Okay, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. So again, just an example that it isn't, doesn't have to do with faith. Peter had the faith to walk out on the water, to step out on the water. We talked about that a little more in the teaching last week. But what happened? As soon as he turned his eyes off of Jesus and he turned his eyes onto the circumstances around him, imagine his, his tunic was getting wet. He felt the water on his feet. He felt the, you know, the the what the sea spray flying up against him from from the wind and he started to sink and i just love it and immediately jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him immediately so here here's the thing you're in faith you're in faith right your 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 faith is prevailing you are walking on the water 
And then you start to, your eyes start to get distracted and you start looking at the things that are going on around you. And here that unbelief is starting to build up and build up and build up and all of a sudden you are sinking. You don't know how you got there, but you are sinking. And Jesus is demonstrating here, the moment that you turn your eyes back to him, he reaches out and he helps you. It is not about the amount of faith that you have. It is about the unbelief that counters that faith. The unbelief that is caused by what's going on around you, caused by what you're seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking. All of those things create unbelief. And if we could simply believe without all of that unbelief, let's look at what the good news says about that. Go over to Matthew 21. If you can simply believe. Matthew 21. And we're going to start in verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he was hungry. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. Let me tell you something about fresh figs off of a tree. I had never had a fresh fig until we moved to Jordan. They are the sweetest, most delicious pieces of fruit I have ever tasted in my entire life. I understand why Jesus was angry when he wanted a fig and there were none, okay? Oh, I miss figs. Uh, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing but leaves only and said unto it, let no fruit grow on you forevermore from this point forward. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now, in another account, you see that the fig tree on the surface did not wither away right away. It started at the roots. So immediately when Jesus spoke, the roots began to die. And it was later, I believe the other gospel says the next day, when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? So Jesus speaks to this fig, fig tree, tells it to die. It starts dying at the root. You don't see anything on the outside. The next day they're coming back. The fig tree is completely dead. Verse 21, the disciples, I'm not sure why this part, point they're still so surprised at. Jesus says something and it happens. I, I don't know. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. If you have faith and you do not doubt... You will have what you say. 2 Corinthians 13, 1 says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. 
we've seen it now here twice, that if you believe and you don't doubt, if you believe and you don't waver, the words that you speak, you will see come to pass. The words that you speak to the root of that sickness and disease that's in your body, it will come to pass. And like that fig tree, even if you don't see it happen immediately, you have to know and believe in faith it is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen, right? If you have faith that when you spoke, that thing changed and that's what you focused on, you focus on the fact that even though you can't see it, it is changing, that gets rid of that unbelief because you are focused on your source of faith. You are focused on the word of God that says, if you speak, let's read uh, Mark eleven twenty three. And I'm, I'm reading it as opposed to quoting it because I want you to go there and see it. I want you to know where these key scriptures are in the word. Mark eleven twenty three says, verse 22, have faith in God. Jesus answered, saying unto them, have faith in God. How do you have faith in God? You focus on God. You read his word. You get to know him. You spend time in his presence, in his presence of fullness of joy. It doesn't say in his presence is sickness and disease. Never said it, never will. It'll never happen. In his presence, right? Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whosoever, are you a whosoever? We're all whosoevers, right? Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but, belie but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. If you believe, if you stop looking at the things that cause unbelief, get good teaching, spend time in prayer, fast. Guys, these, you don't have to do a single thing except believe to be healed. A lot of times when, when teachers teach, and, and I can speak from experience because my dad taught me the word of God. I grew up under my dad's teaching, under Kenneth, uh, Dad Hagen's teachings, right? But I still heard what they were telling me as works. Do this, do that, do this, do that. But at the heart of receiving is simply believing but why why do we why did jesus teach about things that we needed to do in order to receive because he knew that there would be unbelief to overcome you know when you receive salvation and you accept your forgiveness of sins when, when you received salvation, you were sozoed. You were saved, which means the moment you received Christ, you were born again, you were healed, you were made prosperous, you were forgiven of all of your sins, 
right? But the reason it's so easy to just accept that God has forgiven your sins is because you can't see it. There's nothing to measure that word against. There's nothing to quantify that word with. There's nothing that physically opposes the word that says you are forgiven. You know, and even despite that, there's a lot of believers out there who are born again that never walk in the freedom that comes with being forgiven. They never think that God forgives them. They're still going to heaven, but they don't walk in that forgiveness. They're not free. They're in bondage to their past. They're in bondage to past sins. They can't accept the fact that they are now righteous and holy in God's sight, right with God. So even though they have received salvation, they don't walk in it. It's the same way with healing. We may not... Uh, when you when you were born again, you were healed, but now you have all of these things that are saying contrary. This is why we teach you how to overcome that unbelief, how to receive. Because the world is telling you the exact opposite of what the word is telling you. So when we teach you about revelation, when we teach you about faith, when we teach you, these are, as you seek God, as you seek relationship with him, these things will come naturally. As you study, as you read, even Jesus studied Jesus read the scrolls. Jesus knew what the word said. Whenever somebody answered him, word came out of his mouth. Old Testament word. It is written. It is written. He didn't just know that. He had to study the scrolls. He devoured the word. How many times does it say he went up into the mountain and he prayed sometimes all night? He is our example. He wasn't doing that out of obligation. He was doing it because he knew that God is the source of all life. He wanted to get to know the Father. He wanted to spend time with the Father. He wanted to be wanted to, didn't have to. Anything I teach you is not a have to. It needs to come from the right heart because if things are a have to, then they are just a work. They're all about what you're doing. They're all about uh, uh, working to earn something. You don't have to earn healing. You already have it. Yes, it is as simple as believing and receiving healing, but we have been so uh, indoctrinated and influenced by the things of the world that there is unbelief there that we have to get rid of. That you can't, there's times where you can't just simply believe. You can believe God's word until you're blue in the face and not see it work in your body because you're more convinced that what you're seeing and feeling is more real than what God's word says. If Jesus says, spend time in prayer, spend time in intimacy with Father, this is like a prescription. If you go to the doctor and he tells you to do this, do this, do this, and do this, and you're going to be healed, then you are doing it because you have faith in the word of the doctor. 
And boy, we're so willing to do that, aren't we? If you believed God's word as much as you believed the word of the doctor, and he says, Joshua 1.8, keep this word ever before your face. Meditate on it day and night until you can observe to do all that is written in this book, and then you will prosper, and then you will have good success. If you truly believed that, you would do it because you wanted to because you knew that healing was at the end, because you knew or was contained within it, that blessing was contained in it, that prosperity is contained in it, that freedom is contained in it. It's not a have to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. And that is all that I have to say about that. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that the words that I spoke today were spirit and life because they were your words. And I thank you that those who take them, those who receive them, and those who put them into practice in their life, Father, receive the spirit and the life. I thank you, Lord, that there were some strongholds that were broken today, some walls that are, are coming down that people are beginning to see that it is in your word, Lord, that they will find everything that they need. That if they would just seek you, Lord, they will run past healing. They will, they will just run by it without, without a second glance, without a second thought, Father God, that it just comes to them. I speak blessings over their bodies. I speak favor over their lives, Lord God. They are your kids, so they are blessed and they are highly favored by you. I thank you for this time that I've had to speak into their lives. And I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that will come out of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes we are healed. God bless you.